0: Hey everybody, welcome to Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name is John, I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here today with Kyle Davies, our lead pastor.
1: No, no no, dramatic this time. I was just no. going to let you hang there just, a little bit. Wow.
0: You're just going to let the little yeah, awkward silence, little usually you fill it in, but yeah, No, okay.
1: I just, I was going to leave it there, but I jumped in too quickly to probably make it that awkward, and so I just... I know you were expecting something. Take there. it back
0: to youth uh, youth group days where you ask a question and there's just crickets and you just yes. let it ride. Kind the of thing. the
1: eye the eyes look away, look down, and you're looking around the room. Mm. So one of the things my youth minister used to do was when those settings is especially when he asked for, "Hey, it's time to pray. Do I have any volunteers to pray?" And his favorite thing to do was if you made eye contact with him, he was calling on you to pray. So you learn very quickly, you don't make eye contact.
0: Yeah, so. I, I did that when I was, even in class, you do that kind of thing. Teacher asks a question, it's like, man, make it look like you're doing some sort of work so they don't call on you because I have no idea what the answer was. And really, I wasn't paying attention the last 20 minutes, but it's okay. Maybe we move on, we digress. Yes. We survive. It's yes. all right. So Kyle, we we continued our teaching series, Substance. Caleb kicked us off last week. You kind of picked it up and went into verses uh, 8 through 10 this week. And really you started by identifying why we're um, kind of the struggle of the Colossian church in this moment. Yes. And really you began by identifying that there are... Uh, what we call these teachers, these false Mm -hmm. teachers that are basically coming in uh, to the Colossian people and recognizing that in our everyday life, that there are struggles, Mm. even in the midst of um, trying to find fulfillment. Like, yep. we're always talking about finding peace and joy in Jesus, but there are yep. those moments in which we don't necessarily see those peace and joy moments. And so yep. they're coming in and saying, Yeah, we get that life's hard and sometimes unrewarding. So, here um, are some additional practices and rules and experiences mm-hmm. to basically incorporate into your life to basically find that joy, peace, patience, find that fulfillment. Yeah. And so, like, they basically claim that they could bring that. By adding these experiences on top of what Jesus is already doing, we talked about it in our known series of almost this Jesus plus mentality. Yes. Of kind of bringing down Jesus's abilities and saying, if you add on all these other things, then yeah. you'll find more of that joy yeah. and happiness in life.
1: And when you add anything to Jesus, you actually subtract the power of Jesus right out from, from under you. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll we're okay. going we'll to get to that we'll here in a minute because
0: you, you talked a decent bit about that of kind of wow. limitations and rules that uh, kind of get set into place that limit some of that. Yeah. So I think one of the first things we can kind of identify, I think this would be good for you to kind of talk about. Okay. Out of this passage, we have these... Uh, false teachers that are coming in, what are some of the additional practices and Mm. rules that they were trying to encourage the Colossian uh, people to adapt?
1: Yeah. So you got to remember, we're stepping into a first century world here. And so their mindset about what constitutes reality is very different. So as I answer that question, we actually have to go back and look at the Enlightenment a little bit and realize that we live in a world where the the thought or the existence of outside spiritual forces is almost that that's almost a foreign concept. Yeah. We, we we have this idea that's called almost this this buffered self is so we, we have this isolated buffered self where there's nothing external can affect us internally. Hmm. The first century world was not that way. It was very much what I would call a, a porous self. And what that means is is external spiritual realities would affect the internal being. And also there was a longing for an internal being to connect with those external realities. Mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest that that longing hasn't disappeared, but how we interact and think about fulfilling that longing
0: yeah.
1: has changed slightly from the first century world to, to today. Okay. So what they were suggesting was basically like You can achieve spiritual fulfillment by connecting with outside spiritual realities through a series of self-discipline. We think of like chanting certain things, um, certain postures, or certain just, just physical restraint that allowed you to then basically kind of your mind almost drift into a connection of this external reality where they would describe these having these visions or mm-hmm. or or an out-of-body experience, so we might say. And so basically this idea of I am at my true spiritual peak when I'm having regular encounters of of with spirits out of body. And to do that, they would suggest things that – it's called like aesthetic practices. So basically any type of like self-discipline. So um, in the first century world, uh, you could think of things like physical harm actually caused a sense of pain and actually almost a loss of consciousness that moved you into a place of, of oh, I'm connecting with divine. So basically think about, um, think about dreams. So think about how you dream and sometimes you're like, man, I wonder if that was real. Um, and sometimes things happen in dreams that you're like, man, that would almost be kind of cool if that happened. Yeah. So basically, it's through physical things, people trying to go into this dreamlike state. So I mean, think of psychedelic drugs, acid, shrooms, things like that. People people do some of these physical things to get to um, this kind of out of body, this otherworldly, this... Mess with your mind, type reality, and what basically these false teachers were saying is you have hit your spiritual peak, and that's what fulfillment is when you're constantly achieving that.
0: Hmm.
1: Because, because again, there was this distancing between of like as they ex- lived their life, these Colossian believers. Yeah, following Jesus was hard in the first century, world, just as it is today. Yeah. and so to say there is one true God, all these other these other gods that are made up of maybe rocks or trees or the sky or water or fire, actually that those aren't gods. Those are physical elements. And again, first century world, they would have ascribed divine attributes to those physical things okay. and saying you have to do certain things to connect with them. And where a Christian worldview would come in and say, no, there's one true God. You don't connect with him through through self-harm, through depriving yourself of, okay. of food or or nourishment, you actually connect with him through relationship, through through uh, through again through the apostles' teaching, yeah. through prayer again, prayer, very thing. Um, even even some of the fasting elements is there's a distinguishing between um, fasting for a source of spiritual connection and fasting for a purpose of spiritual almost enlightenment, and that being worth pursuing. Mm. So so circle back around to your, to your question. These false teachers were saying that following Jesus wasn't enough. You needed to follow Jesus and have these spiritual experiences on top of that to justify that you
0: were actually a follower of Jesus. So it's kind of like almost what we call like polytheism of almost this kind of questioning of, basically like covering all bases just Mm -hmm. in case jesus doesn't fulfill here's all these other gods in which we have in this uh, temple or throughout the streets these idols we have make sure you're practicing uh spiritual growth with them as well just in case jesus doesn't provide well
1: and and you could even say it's not just even for spiritual growth even though that's an aspect of it but think about this everyday experiences Mm -hmm. when you say something out loud and you're like, man, I haven't been sick lately. And it's like, and you're <laughs> worried about getting sick. Instead of trusting in Jesus, what do you do? You knock on wood. Mm. You know, you spill some salt. You throw it over your shoulder. So even think of some of those folk kind of tales, like you don't walk under a ladder. Why? You know, you freak out when you see a black cat or something like that. It's almost a
0: superstition. It's kind of like the jinx kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you,
1: what What happens is, is then... Because when you experience that, you're like, okay, I'm gonna do something as a result of that. And so, what these teachers were proposing is they're like, yeah, like keep following Jesus, but make sure you you kind of abide by some of these other principles. Cover your bases, just in case your faith in Jesus isn't enough. And in this, and again, in in this section of Colossians, Hmm. Paul really looks at that spiritual fulfillment um, aspect of it, and so. Just in case, you, yeah, Jesus isn't enough. Do some of these other things so that you can find true fulfillment. And again, it's not just the joy and peace aspect. If it's it's a sense of belonging, it's a sense of purpose, sense of satisfaction. It's whatever it's, fills you up. What, you. whatever again fulfillment. Yeah. What what whatever gives you a sense of worth or a sense of identity. Whatever you cling to to do that. Yeah. If it's anything outside of Jesus or. And again, it's got to be primary Jesus that affects other areas. So Jesus first, and then if you if you have anything on the same level of Jesus, you actually subtract uh, the power of Jesus from your life.
0: Mm. So that's kind of almost how the first century uh, kind of false teachers were encouraging the church of, hey, uh, kind of do these things in addition to Jesus. Uh, and we kind of see how that's kind of lasted out yeah. through some of the jinx, superstitious stuff. It's still kind of in our culture today. But is there almost a... Do you think in our culture today we still have almost some of that uh, practices or applications that mm-hmm. are included onto our life that basically kind of act similarly to what yeah. the false teachers were doing? Just kind of a difference between the first century and where we are now in our culture? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I there. There's a couple of things that... That I am just instantly drawn to, be, and some of it's changing in our culture. Yeah. Um. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but it's almost like to be successful, um, you have to go to college or you have to get a bachelor's degree, or mm-hmm. and it, and it's almost a, stere- a stereotypical of well, this is what success is, or in some cultures, it's like it's just enough to be to to simply still be with your baby mama. And so the mm-hmm. fact that you're doing that is is enough. And so what it comes back to is anything time we look at our life or our own culture. Again, we're both white and so we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting to hear feedback from from our African American brothers and sisters, from our Latino and Hispanic, from some of our Asian brothers and sisters and see what like what type of almost boundaries or assumptions they make in their own life or in their own culture about what the good life is mm-hmm. and and almost impose that as as a way of life that ultimately undermines their followership of Jesus mm-hmm. and so Again, we I think we can only kind of speak for us and and our background, and so that's why that's why I tend to bring up the college one again, coming from a Midwest city. You know, basically the idea is is you got to work hard, you got to go to college, you got to have a good job, provide for your family, provide for your family, and and if you don't do that, then one you won't be fulfilled, and and almost in a sense of you won't be successful. And so I, I think that's, that's one aspect of sometimes – and sometimes we think of things like being aligned with a certain political party um, makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. And what we're starting to talk about is our identity with Christ and being united with Christ. Yeah. And so as we think of union with Christ – and we're actually going to get into it more in this week's, this week's sermon okay. – but, but as we think of, of truly being united with Christ – there are some applications and there are some implications in light of that. but what these things do is yeah. sabotage our, our identity in Christ and our union with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so um, as I know, I know you're gonna ask about some, what are some of the barriers? what are some of the, the, the rules and limits that we place on ourselves but almost go back to again, what are some things that we see w- w- in our culture today? Any good thing that we assume to be true about life, if we don't subject it to careful evaluation of is this the heart of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and return, or is this just the way we perceive the world, Mm. that lens through which we look through can ultimately lead to us adding certain things to, to our life. And so as I as I kind of say that, those who may be watching or listening may be thinking about, okay, I'm still not quite sure what what things I may uh, be adding to my life. And what and go back to almost what I what I was saying a moment ago. Anything that you think or that you take a sense of pride in
0: mm-hmm.
1: above your relationship with Jesus. Um so again, a very spiritual thing. So let's go to someone who says, I'm going to read my Bible every single day. And there's a distinguishing between, look at me because I'm reading my Bible every single day and that makes me super spiritual versus I'm reading my Bible every day because I need to connect with Jesus in his word because yeah. that's what's bringing the, the fulfillment and for this transformation. And mm. reading my Bible helps yeah. me transform Connect with Jesus. And so that may be a silly a silly one. Same thing with prayer. Yeah. Is look at me, kind of I think of the Pharisee in the temple, look at me, thank God I'm not like anybody else, yeah. every like all these other sinners. And it's look at me versus I do these things specifically to connect with Jesus. And a connection with Jesus is different than doing things to appear spiritual or to give give a, a faux sense of fulfillment.
0: Yeah, I like how you kind of differentiate almost how we find our fulfillment in ourselves and how we find our fulfillment in Jesus. Like, it's almost where's the reliance uh, and almost kind of the priority and purpose behind why we do what we do. Are we reading our Bible to because we need and want to grow in our relationship because that's where we find that fulfillment is through Jesus? Or is it more we do that because of the outcomes of interactions with others, social status, the way in which people see us, our identity it does that kind of shift, and so it's almost kind of that mentality of identifying kind of the priority and purpose behind yeah. that, and identifying the the fulfillment aspect of where it is. Well,
1: and we and we tend to be more individualistic in yeah. this. Um, the same can apply to those cultures that are that are very that are very communal in essence, and don't get their sense of identity um, from necessarily within, but gets their sense of who they are um from from their group and from their culture of well, I do this because this is this is who we are. And so thats that's kind of foreign from a Western mindset. Yeah. It's like, no, like I, I set my own I set my own destiny, I, I establish who I am, I look within. And so all, all these kind of phrases that even I just throw out right now, it's they can sound right, but they may not necessarily. Uh, be Christ-like, and so we have to subject them to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And anytime we throw out a phrase like that, that drives an action that doesn't directly return us to a dependence upon God, we actually succeed in limiting ourselves and what God wants to do in our life.
0: That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting this weekend because you did something a little bit different. You haven't done this before in a while. You basically had us do a little bit of a puzzle, yeah. kind of a brain teaser kind of thing. And you kind of bookended uh, this discussion that we just went through about this uh, with this illustration. You had nine dots kind of making almost a square kind of thing. Yeah. I always remember the game where you had to like make the boxes kind yes. of thing, one line. Thought maybe you were gonna have a little bit of fun. No. Yes. You instead try to humiliate us. Uh, I did saying, not try to humiliate
1: uh, you, John.
0: Yeah, uh, you basically said you need to connect basically make a line go through all the dots with yes. only four lines. Yes. What is your purpose behind this? Why'd you bring out a fun little puzzle mm-hmm. in the midst of your teaching time this week?
1: Yeah, so I I think again we gotta break outside of some of the molds sometime. And so not just in using it as an illustration, but yeah. using it as a way to, to teach from the um, from almost the pulpit of like saying, Okay, hey, I'm gonna we're gonna walk through this passage. But I'm, I'm going to do something that's not necessarily common. So yeah. both in practicing something outside the box, I wanted people to think <laughs> outside the box. And basically the goal is, is, is if you weren't there Sunday is – and I, I put it out on social media uh, yesterday specifically. I think on it went on Facebook. It might have went on, on Twitter. So search at Gen Church Wah and yeah. go back and look. And we called it like this nine-dot challenge. And yeah. yes, the goal was to draw less – then four lines through all the dots. They had to be straight lines and that you couldn't pick your... And the lines uh, had to connect. The lines had to connect. You couldn't pick up your pencil and they, they had to be, again, had to be straight. And so basically when you do the exercise without giving too much of away, which means I will give it away, <laughs> um, you, most people start in a corner and just start trying to connect and they grow frustrated very quickly. But when you step back from the nine dots, you realize... That you have self-imposed a boundary around those nine dots and almost a square on the external. That the lines that you're drawing can't go outside that boundary. All of the solutions result in like large, almost triangles going way off of the the yeah. nine, like the nine-dot image, so that you can connect yeah. all of the pictures. And there's there's several different solutions. You can look up yeah. a, a few.
0: On, I, online.
1: But but the goal was is most of us in looking at initially, we place unnecessary limits on a break and because we've made assumptions about the rules of these dots. And in reality, we have to break out of these assumptions about the way the game is played. Um, and so and how that how that continues is sometimes we have these limits on ourselves and our faith. And we forget that the Christian faith is supposed to trickle in every aspect of our lives. Hmm. Sometimes we place limits on where our faith connects. Yeah. Um, so maybe you've you've not taken seriously uh, or thought through seriously the way your faith inter- interacts with those people of different cultures from yeah. you, the way your faith interacts uh, on a Tuesday afternoon with with your boss, yeah. what does that mean for you being an employee? Great thing is Colossians addresses that <laughs> later on. Um, what does it mean for um, what you do on a Sunday morning, maybe in a set hour time slot, and then what that looks like the rest of the week? Because if if the way you live your faith is inconsistent between how you interact with people on Sunday and what you do as soon as you drive out the parking lot, you know, on on a Sunday afternoon after a a gathering, what you realize is our actions have to align yeah. with who Jesus is, but oftentimes there's there's a level of self-imposed limits that prevent true spiritual breakthrough and fulfillment and true alignment. Yeah. And so um we we have to be able to think outside the box. Not just some of the the social and cultural norms yeah. that we say this is what Christianity is, and our yep. country, just to be honest, is going through this at a rapid rate. What is what is the irreducible minimum of a church? Church planting is changing. Yeah. What that looks like to to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. Yeah. What what churches look like. Um, Again, church growth, seeker-sensitive movement, Christendom, I threw out a lot of terms right there. So if you're watching and you're like – or listening and you're like, what are all those terms? I throw those out simply to say everything should be put on the table and simply looked at and held humbly and open fingers and say, what actually is the gospel? Yeah. What is the core of the gospel? And then what does that gospel mean? mean as we almost reconstruct like yeah. the life of faith. Yeah. Because it's really easy to deconstruct. And I even say this is what the false teachers were doing. Is they were adding some things to the to the early Christian faith because it's like, oh, we're trying to almost deconstruct and, and synthesize what faith looks like in the first century. We're really great at deconstructing and, and nitpicking and tearing people down. It's a lot harder to construct a life of faith around Jesus. And so that's what I'm actually really excited to, uh, as we continue in Colossians, is because it's going to call us, and Paul's really going to invite us to say, here's who Jesus is, go back to our known series. Here's who Jesus is and what he's about. Here's what these false teachers are saying, and we got to be aware of our influences. And how do we take these two things and honestly begin to construct a life of faith and actually start to experience a, a, a power and a dependency upon God that I think we all long to experience. Yeah.
0: Cause I I like the connection in what you make here of that. There's even moments in which we act as kind of the false teachers and even our culture at large act as the false teachers Mm -hmm. Uh, there are, just kind of cultural norms we allow to be applied and rules and limits that we kind of set upon ourselves of what a christian looks like we do it Mm -hmm. to ourselves we allow our culture to do it to say sometimes a christian just looks like going to church on sunday tithing serving an hour a week doing these things and sometimes we just close the box and say christians are sunday and then the rest of the week we're just doing our normal everyday life and then we Come back and we open up the box, jump yep. back in the box on Sunday, and your even challenged to get outside of that box, to yes. break that mold that, as we say in our vision, like we're everyday people. Yes. That this vision of the box is completely broken, open, that Christianity, uh, if you're to follow Jesus and the fulfillment in which he calls us to, like he's going to act and call you to things on Monday, on Tuesday, and throughout the week, in where you live, work, and play, as we often say, that... Sometimes we place these barriers and restrictions upon ourselves, even, yeah. which is crazy to think that sometimes it's just kind of a unintentional, subconscious thing that we do, and we set these um, restrictions, rules, applications, things of what a Christian is supposed yeah. to do and not supposed to do upon ourselves, and we allow even the influence of the world to kind of define that as well, yeah. rather than allowing Jesus. To define Yeah.
1: That. Well, and, and so let me give you, let, let's go through a biblical example of this. I think the woman at the well in John chapter 4 is a great example of this. Because right before in John chapter 4, Jesus says, I have to go through Samaria. Well, any good Jewish person would have avoided Samaria at all costs because they were viewed as people who who were worshiping a false god that they were they were half breeds, um, they were unclean, and we should distance ourselves from that. And it's funny that Jesus says he has to go through Samaria. He doesn't actually have to go through Samaria. There are other routes to take. But what you see is as he as he connects with this woman, he breaks all kinds of social norms. Yeah. He's talking to a woman. He he is asking her questions and 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 interacts with her, and he talks about spiritual things with her, yeah. which again that's a good Jewish man would have not done that and again here's some of that phrasing a good Jewish man let's go back to some of that phrasing of we have in our picture what a a good, good
0: Christian a good
1: Christian person is or what a a good American good is yeah. or uh, or or what a a yeah a good Christian a good Christian man a good Christian woman a, a good American is a, a a good son and a good daughter. Um, you think of of what I mean, so to yep. so, so our brothers and sisters who are from other cultures, you know, I talking with someone today, what, what a good you know, what a good black man is is, is in an African American culture, what a good um, you know Asian uh, person is in, in their culture, yeah, and, and what you what you start to do, and I, I don't want to pretend that I have like I no, understand all <laughs> the nuances of that, but all I'm simply suggesting is that there's a definition of what good is. Mm -hmm. And and what we see as we follow Jesus is, is Jesus is willing to break some of the societal molds and engage in spiritual and ultimately life-giving conversation with others. Because the limits that have traditionally and historically been set by cultures and times ultimately are rooted in yeah. who Jesus is and in the character of God. And so that's what we have that's what we have to to come back to is go back to say okay, who is Jesus? How does Jesus live his life? What does that mean for me? Mm. And what is that, how does that, or and not just was it mean for me, what does it mean for us? Yeah. And how do we live and respond out of it? And so, again, I, I throw that word around a lot where in terms of that word assumptions. Yeah. There's some things that we just act as if they're true yeah. that have never gone challenged or evaluated mm. to see if it truly aligns, which is, and sometimes we like not challenging our assumptions because yeah. to challenge our assumptions, it means that when we recognize that they're wrong, it means we have to change and do something and to get about that. Yeah. It means we get uncomfortable. It means sometimes there's awkwardness. Yeah. Um, and we just know, again, I think...
0: Because it's easier to go with the yeah. cultural norm. Yes. It's easier to go with what everyone else is doing. And so even this weekend, you identified that these actions, these yep. applied... Um, methods, experiences, and all that, basically what it comes down to is these are almost lies in which we're told Yeah. Of that set restrictions, that set yeah. boundary lines that basically try to put us in a box and keep us there. Not just us, but even Jesus, even yeah. God tries to keep them in a box. And Within these lies, if I hear you right, basically your encouragement is once we're able to identify those lies, those things in the world where you go, I, I don't know if that's actually what uh, I'm called to, if that's who Jesus has really uh, called me to or the example. He set, your encouragement is almost to kind of strip that down and to look at Jesus' uh, priorities and characteristics and see how does that align with the situation I'm in and what the yeah. world and the culture is telling me and how should I respond out of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, e- exactly. And and what we look at is we have to go back to the f- what the early believers did as they interacted with the world around them and interacted with their own culture and faith. That's what was so difficult for them as we talk about, you know, I think of Acts 15 um, where there's a whole council called together about like, what do we do with meat sacrificed to idols? Like, because faith in Jesus basically says, and again, we talked about this as we, like we have authority in Jesus. Yeah. Like meat sacrificed to idols has no authority and power over us because Ultimately, they're they're fake and they're subjected under the authority of Jesus. So the spiritual forces that are real ultimately fall, fall under the authority of Jesus. And so um, Jesus and Acts or the, the disciples and apostles in Acts fifteen basically say, "Yeah, like we can kind of almost throw that out." And that's that's what even Paul Paul is saying here in yeah. here here in Colossians two. He's saying, "Man, why are you going back?" To this rigorous way of living, to being subject under to an authority and a power and an influence um, from f- the physical world to achieve a, a spiritual, a spiritual reality, and so in our everyday life there are things physically that we subject ourselves to that reinforce lies about who we are, about who God is, what he has done for us, that then lead us to act in a certain way and basically point to a whole other reality when we're like, no, I'm a follower of Jesus, but the way in which we live and the way in which our actions play out in different situations, we point to, we're living as if we're living under 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 a lie.
0: I like, there's, there's a way you put it this weekend of doing what is actually Christ like mm-hmm. and not just what sounds right. I, identifying in the world what what is actually following the example of Jesus and what just sounds right because it comes from someone i like and they said something that sounds good and i can yeah. add that to my life because i think i'll find joy and peace out yeah. of that and it's someone that's almost acts as an influencer in my life but doesn't have any biblical root. Yeah. So like what what happens when we begin to take uh, what our influencers in the world say and hold it up as truth next to the yeah. truth of Jesus.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, Jesus, Jesus had to, Jesus had to deal with this. So if you go to his temptations um, in Matthew chapter four, what you see Jesus doing there um, is as he's tempted by Satan. Um, Satan actually quotes <clears throat> from the Bible, and what you what you see Jesus do is he responds respond with the word of god back to satan in proper context and with a better understanding of who god is and what he has what he has done so translate that to today as we sound hear certain things that sound right we have to have a sort of i guess filtration process or we have to have a framework that allows us to go so is there a nugget of truth? And just because there's a nugget of truth doesn't mean it's, it's truthful. Mm-hmm. And so I can get really political with this. I'm actually going to stay away um, from the politics of that yeah. uh, this week. Um, but, you know, one of the guys that I talk about a lot lately and just in general yes, is Gary V. Is, is and I, I think it's just so easy because one of the things that he talks about in all of his videos, he says, you know, don't you just want to be happy? And I think on all some heart level, we're like, yeah, <laughs> like we we do like we do want to be happy, like, yeah. and because that happiness that word communicates a life of comfort, a life of ease, a life of uh, there's no conflict, there's no resistance. Yeah. Um, we're where we mm. want to be. Mm. Um, but what happens is if we take that statement, don't you just want to be happy? And we make happiness the pursuit what we realize is that we will do certain things that undercut the gospel of Jesus in pursuit of that happiness, which means that we can eliminate a level of ethics and morality in pursuit of that happiness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's how that plays out in a very real way. So I'm not, again, not going to go politics, but let me go to another touchy subject. Sexuality in our world. Um, as we think about gender and sexuality we have to be very careful at in the way in which we talk about it, yeah. and the way in which it's framed up because we are we are told there are certain boundaries and there are certain norms. And also, um, I would also say, whichever group or wherever you land as you talk and as you think about, the the le- language revolving around gender and sexuality. What we have to ultimately to push back on is to say: Do we eliminate a little level of God ordained morality in pursuit of happiness and temporary pleasure? Mm. Because part of the biblical framework is 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 we exist in a finite state temporarily, yeah. and eventually there will be an eternity with God. Where, where all things are made new. So that means even our own heart-level desires will eventually be made new as we trust who God is and what he's done for us. And so, I mean, you, you think of the businessman who, who says, no, my ultimate goal is, is happiness. And so what he might do? He, he might fudge the books a little bit. Yeah. He might pay people under the table. He might, um, he might uh, do some cut some corners or do a shoddy job. And again, we're going to talk about work ethic (laughs) in the coming months uh, or in the coming weeks, not coming months. Um, Because when we place something as ultimate, ultimately there are things we will do to achieve that, that Jesus gives us more of the how than I, than I think we want to um, prescribe. And that's, and that's that love and that's that joy and that's that peace, but it's also a sense of priorities that for things like put people first, or yeah. depend on him, or um, yeah, or, or, or extend yeah. grace in a situation that most that's people would thing. say, you should just wash your hands and walk away. Yeah. I think one, especially one that I hear a lot about is, well, I just want to cut the negativity out of my life. Mm. Man, that, that sounds yeah. really, really good because it cuz it's like well yeah you just cut that out of your life
0: yeah
1: and then you just move on but it's like man like the, jesus didn't cut the pharisees out of his life like he didn't avoid them like they were negative yeah. he didn't cut the the disciples out of his life who constantly were like okay jesus you got to explain this to us like
0: yeah
1: like if jesus if we're honest the disciples constantly asking jesus why 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 jesus are you sure that can pull a guy down. That's pretty yeah. draining. That can be pretty negative. And Jesus didn't cut them out. Of-
0: I think literally Peter, the rock of the church, the one of Jesus' closest disciples, when Jesus is like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die on a cross. And Peter's like, no, you're not going to do that. And Jesus has to look at him and say, no, no, that's what's going to happen. You need to reorient your thinking and your understanding. And trust me that I know what I'm doing. Like, literally, he was like, no, we're not going to let you do that. Like, there's even moments where they kind of yeah kinda butted heads in that sense.
1: Yeah, and, it, and and it's funny because it's like we place these limits on our life because we think these limits bring freedom, mm. but ultimately they, they they bring restriction. And I love the progressions of of Romans chapter six, seven, and eight. How it goes? How Paul's talking to a group of, of people where he's like, okay, so if if we shouldn't put limits on our life, then we should just do whatever the heck we want. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, that, <laughs> that, that's not what I'm saying. But he says, consider yourselves dead to sin but alive with Christ. And then he talks about this internal wrestling of I do what I don't want to do and I, I do, you know, what I'm not supposed to do and what's my interaction with these limits and with the Spirit. And at one point, Paul even says, he's like, man, like, for I know that the law is spiritual, but I'm made out of flesh, sold into sin's power. So again, God at one point in the Old Testament put a level of limit in the place, but he did it to help us help communicate our own level of sinfulness and depravity. And Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this dying body?
0: Mm.
1: I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So that so then with my mind, I myself am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of the sin. He says, therefore... No condemnation now exists for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And I would encourage those of you to go read the rest of Romans 8 because look at what Paul says. He says there's no condemnation now that exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, the reason these these self-imposed limits are bad is because we won't ever— Meet them realistically yeah. and will constantly move the bar and feel a level of weight of guilt and shame and condemnation. Yeah. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.
0: Yeah, I love it. In, in this discussion, I mean, I think we can go right back to where we first began of uh, the false teachers going to the Colossians and saying like, hey, I know life can be hard sometimes. Here's some things to add on. Like that's honestly where our culture can be at some times of why we allow these influencers. I, I like how Jamie put it on here, the influencers versus the truth kind of thing. Of it's easy for us to allow influencers to uh, yeah. kind of have a say in our life when we go, because I think it's a misconception we yeah. have in the church of you follow Jesus, everything's going to be good and mm-hmm. peachy. And when things aren't good and peachy and they don't fit that almost unrealistic expectation we put on following Jesus, because if we actually read and we listen to him, like we see that there is suffering that's still to be had. Yeah. There is going to be pain. There's going to be discomfort in following Jesus. Yeah. And so in the midst of that, we allow influencers to say, here's another way to find happiness, to find joy, to avoid some of that uncomfortable, almost rubbing of yourself Uh, as we grow In a relationship with Jesus, there's going to be friction with the world around us. And so often we want to avoid that. And so we look around the world and allow the influence of, hey, this is the cultural norm. If you do this, life will go a little bit easier. Life will be a little bit better. And we begin to set up almost those rules and restrictions on ourselves. And we kind of allow those teachings to shape how we are. And it's that... Like we've been talking about the influence versus the truth.
1: Well, and and I think so. So if we internalize this for a moment, think of what the way in which I'll say it is this: is if there are almost I don't know if problem emotions are the right way to frame it up, but if if there if like the worst fear in your life is like stress or demands, yeah. or is it? Or if like the worst fear. Or like is is like um, – or I should say it's not not problem motion. I should say like your nightmare. is like someone saying, man, I'm disappointed in you or like you didn't measure yeah. – like you didn't measure up. Um, or uh, I'm trying to think of a, another one off the top of my head. But basically whatever your nightmare is, whatever your like worst case scenario is, typically – where the influencer gains its foothold is it gives it gives you a shortcut to avoid that nightmare. Mm. It gives you a pathway um, or some sort of steps or some sort of like just do this, and that nightmare that that you are afraid of won't come true. Yeah. Um, and it manifests in the problem emotions so go back to that phrase i was saying it manifests in the problem so if it's like if you find anger or or a high level of just anxiety not talking about like mental but just just a, a constant state of of just worry yeah. um so anger a worry or you there's a strong sense of apathy in your life um there's there's just another or, or there's a level of like neediness that, that you kind of that you just you're like you're always looking for someone to just say something good about you. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's what you crave is what you're doing is you're giving others power and influence. And ultimately, whatever they prescribe to be the solution to that is where you're setting the limits. Mm-hmm. is the additional rules that you are adding to, to your life. Mm-hmm. Of saying, okay, so I gotta do this because then I can maintain this, yep. or I gotta do this because because of this, and so there's a resource that helped me think through this um, a couple of years back, and it's called Gospel Fluency, and it goes back to this principle that we've been talking about: how do you filter the experiences, the circumstances of life, the emotions that we just cycle through, and a day in and day out, yep. through who Jesus is. And so what we, what we typically um, have to do is we have to go um, – we go through who is God, what has God done, um, who it, am I in light of God's work, and how should I live in light of who I am. Yeah. Um, and so what basically um, – as we're looking to discern these unbelie like these basic false lies that we're believing that hold us captive, yeah. that tell us lies – that give us less authority, some of the three points that I talked about in the sermon, is we have to go back and we ask these questions. What am I doing or experiencing right now? In light of what am I doing or experiencing, what do I believe about myself? Three, what do I believe God is doing or has done? And four, what do I believe God is like? In other words, I trace the fruit back to the root. And if the fruit is not like Jesus, that is an indicator that our faith is not in Jesus. And we've added something to Jesus. And we got to be honest, we are still unbelievers in many areas of our lives. So we can add things to Jesus without even realizing it. And so we don't always believe the truths about God as revealed in the gospel. Therefore, we're living in a level of unbelief. And so what we have to do is we have to repent what we've failed to believe about God and then build that back out. As we repent, we go back to who actually is God? What has God done? Who am I? And how should I live in response to that? And so we can translate that back. And so you're like, Kyle, you just gave me four questions to to think through. And so we, we will actually drop those questions into the comment section at, at at in this video so you can begin to do that and what we hope with that is you identify faulty limits mm. and additional rules you've added to your life yeah. that don't directly depend on who God
0: is. Mm. So let's let's kind of bring this back uh, to kind of where you kind of your main point and where you've kind of landed this uh, teaching for this weekend. Basically you came back to that fulfillment isn't found in a formula, mm-hmm. rather Christ's fullness and you provides that fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And you gave this illustration. You, you really like water illustrations cause you even talked about a filter earlier today. Yes. But you talked about these guys being out on the ocean. Uh, basically in the midst of this infinite body of water, and they have a, they have a jar. Mm-hmm. So they open up the jar, they put it in the water, and it gets full. And it's almost this question of, are we gonna cap that jar and limit how much uh, we allow to be poured into us? It's almost this kind of illustration of how much are we limiting God's ability to work in our life? Because it's very easy for us as people who are very much tangible, finite, that we Mm -hmm. like to believe and see and understand what we can physically see, touch, Mm -hmm. physically do, what we can obtain physically in our world. That it's often hard for us because we kind of unintentionally put that on God Mm -hmm. Uh, because we can't see, touch, and hear God sometimes. That it's very much like, hey, we put him and we almost limit what his Mm -hmm. ability is to do. Mm -hmm. So, Kyle, like in this big, broad concept of find your fulfillment in Jesus, like Mm -hmm. how can we actually do that in our everyday life? How can we find that reliance on him in our everyday?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, go back to exactly what I was saying is being aware of our influences and being able to trace problem emotions. And our nightmares in our daily life, back from the kind of the the fruit of all that, back to the root, and from from that root, experiencing you know the fruit in Galatians, where it is that as you've mentioned numerous times, but also living living a certain way. Um, But I think there's this there's this better word of how we can better understand Christ's fulfillment and rely. On our everyday lives is recognize that that God's fullness dwelled in Jesus, and we have to dwell with Him. And there's this word in John fifteen that that it's abide or dwell or remain, mm-hmm. and and, and I'm, I go back to even this same phraseology in Psalm ninety one one. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And so picture that. When you dwell with God, there is rest. Mm. There, is a, there is a peace um, in your soul. It doesn't mean the circumstances in and around your life aren't swirling. Yeah. But there's a calmness. There, there's, um, in basketball, sports analogy, you know, there's kind of ice in the veins. And it doesn't matter what the pressure is outside. You're able to with, withstand that. Our souls are elastic. We think our souls and our being is why they are finite. Are those is like that jar where there's hard and there's edges. And we see that in Jesus. is The fullness of God, the vastness of God in Jesus, a piece of that was finite and visible for a while. And we can get the same fullness of the, of the Pacific Ocean, to go back to that metaphor, basically in our, in our life. And that can actually swell... And grow and expand yeah. beyond what I what I what I think we can even conceptually um, think about that. Um, and it, Paul points that out even in, in Colossians, like one twenty nine. It's this, it's this weird tension of um, go back and read that uh, passage. He says, "I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me." It's like when we know Jesus, we won't feel like we have to perform for him. Yeah. But we settle with this balance between striving to know him more, yeah. but also resting. And so it's this constant, this action while also being renewed inwardly. Yeah. It's this, this outward response with an inward um, resolve. And so, so it's, it's, this, it's this outward and inward. And so we, we can better understand it and rely on it in everyday lives when we have a consistent connection with him. Mm-hmm. When we begin to depend not on our self-regulated uh, rules and limits and we begin to just simply um, live in response, and we begin to trust. I think of a, a guy I talked to today as we were praying about, man, God, he, he's got this dream of, of doing something for Easter, and literally 20 minutes later, he's like, man, I just feel led to, to call this company, and I'm just going to ask him uh, about a tent, and so he just he just does it, and he calls me back later, and he's like, dude, you would, you would not believe. He's like, they're willing to, to do that, and at this cost, and You know, he's basically for free, and he's like, "We just got to put it up," and it's like, and he's, and you can hear this joy and excitement coming out of him, and it's like, that's what it's about, and I think that's what we all long for, Mm -hmm. but the limits that we place in our lives prevent us from actually ever, ever like just just taking a a step like that. Yeah. Um, And so there's an adverb um, in the text that we taught on. Um, that expresses actually or substantially. And that's what this, this text, this sermon series is about, is the substance of Christ. And the primary claim of the Christian faith is a positive one, namely that God has become manifest in the particular person of Jesus of Nazareth, and therefore it is known in the particular narrative of this man's life, death, and resurrection Therefore, a Christian understanding of the identity and character of God is inseparably linked to and with this particular human being in his story. How do we get the fullness of God into our life? It's not through doing a set of things, but resting in what Christ has done and coming back to the story of God over and over and over again. And that's why at Generations Church, we have a value, story over sin. Because it's not just listening to other people's story and not judging their sin, but it's also recognizing that we've stepped into a bigger story, and we don't have to let the sin of our past, of our failure, of of the limits that we self-impose, prevent us from experiencing what God is doing in our life and in the world. We've got to get back putting that story and ultimately putting Jesus who is at the center of that story in the primary seat in our life.